This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for January 11th, episode 2847. Good morning, horse world. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge, you're an endurance rider. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on this Endurance Day with Karen back here. We appreciate you stopping by. Before we get into horse stuff, um, I'm going to... I, I need to, I need to raise a scam alert for everybody, okay? Um, so we all get scam phone calls, but apparently, and this this just uh, came out, I think yesterday, the FCC has put out another request for you uh, not to do something. So apparently, the robocallers uh, have gone back. This one was around years ago, and it's coming back again. Uh, they call you once, and then they hang up. So they let the fo- your phone ring once and then they hang up. Their goal is to not get a hold of you. It's to get you to call them back. And what they're using is they're using three-digit area codes, um, like uh, 232 goes to Sierra Leone, 809 goes to Dominican Republic. And what they, they use spoofing techniques to charge you by the minute for every minute that you're on the phone when you call back. Oh boy. So it's premium charges. Not only that, it's international calling, but they also use programs like the old 900 numbers used to be, where you called them and then you had to pay by minute. Uh, that's the same here. So, wow. So if you get a call, what they're saying is if you get a call and it hangs up, uh, do not answer or return any calls from numbers you don't recognize. Well, I think we're all doing that now. Uh, before calling unfamiliar numbers, check to see if the area code is international. If you do not make international calls, ask your phone company to block outgoing international calls. And it says always be cautious, even if the number appears authentic. So I know you all listening to this probably don't do any of that, but maybe warn your parents um, or your <laughs> You know, somebody older in your life that was like worried because they got a phone call and they they didn't get to answer it, you know. So uh, that's something to keep in mind. There's your warning for the day. They're gonna, they find every which way they can to. Sure they do. <laughs> so, Karen, we're going to talk about your horses and what's been going on out there. But I before we get to your endurance tip, and then we're also going horse shopping today, right? We are. We are going to be talking to somebody that helps match horses' prospective endurance horses up with their new riders and owners. And her name's Aubrey Becker, and she's with uh, Key Horse Exchange, or KY Kentucky. Horse Exchange. Yep. Uh-huh. So she'll be here. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about riding in the winter and getting motivated to do that if you're not in Florida. 
Um, and we have some news later on in the show, too. We're going to talk about Karen's horses. But first, I asked our auditors if they had any endurance questions, because let's face it, it's a slow time of year. We tried to get some of the Florida people, because they've descended upon Ocala, around where I live. But they're all riding today, because there's a clinic going on. So um, so we maybe next month we'll get a report from Florida, see how the season's going, because it will uh-huh. be in full swing by February. Yes, they've got a lot of rides going on. And here we're just still shoveling snow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, a couple of questions from auditors. Are you ready? I'm ready. Kara wants uh, tips for moving up from an LD to a 50. So first of all, for non-endurance riders, explain that. Okay. So a limited distance ride is usually 25 to 30 miles long. And you have between six and seven and a quarter hours to complete. And then with a 50, you've got, uh, you know, double the distance typically. So then you uh, now have 12 hours to finish. However, a lot of times it works out where you have a little bit more riding time because your vet check holds are going to, they're not going to be as large a portion of your riding, you know, within that window of riding time as the limited distance rides have. So let's just say you have an hour break during your LT. That only leaves you, say, five hours of actual riding time, whereas on a 50, if you've got an hour of whole time, you still then you have 11 hours. Do you see right, kind of yeah. what I'm so saying? Right, yeah, so it's the same so, hold time for both. Yeah. Right. So you sometimes when you move up, you don't need to worry about trying to increase your speed. You just are working on increasing your distance. And, you know, once if you've once you get your horse on LDs and they do, uh, you know, one or two or a handful, you know, they're learning the ropes. They're learning how the starts work and the vet checks and, how, you know, the routine and everything. And once you and your horse get comfortable with going through that process and you feel like, you know, you know, when you come into a vet check what you're supposed to do and your horse is completing. For me, the, I think the big factor with moving up to whether it's distance or multi-days or whatever is you, you, you want your horse to complete the ride in good condition. But the next morning, you want to have a horse that it still is sound and doesn't have any filling or swelling or soreness anywhere and has it, you know, is eating and drinking and peeing and pooping and moving around freely. So for me, that's one of the big indicators. Does the rider the have to be able to move around and pee and poop? No, no? it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the rider has things like hot tubs and ibuprofen okay. and, and, and so stuff like that. So don't care about but, them. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, though, you do want the rider to be comfortable. Uh, and, you know, you. Th- I mean, I can admit there were so many rides I did where I, the next day I was moving like uh, I was in The Walking Dead or something uh, where you had to go down all the steps backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, you want to get yourself in, in good enough shape because a tired, out-of-balance rider is not going to help your horse. But um, Well, I do have a question. So will you do when you're getting – let's say you've got a horse and you're getting ready for your first 50 with that horse. Will you actually do a simulated 50, you know, a do a practice run where you do the, a whole 50 or not? I've never done that. Okay. Um, y- you know, most of my rides before leading up to a 50 would be maybe between 17 and 20 miles. And I have horses that did entire careers that never did more than that on a training ride or rarely ever did more than that on a training ride. So, 
you know, it's just part of it is just learning to be consistent and get your horse to pace. Um, you know, they say a lot of the electrolytes and the sweat losses of your horse is going to occur in that first 25 miles. So if you can get your horse learning to take care of themselves on the LDs, the moving up to a 50, it's for me, it's never felt like it's twice as hard. It's a mental thing. Just like when you, if you move up to 100 from doing 50s, I always try to focus on, well, I just need to ride to the next vet check. And then the next vet check, you don't look at the whole pie as saying, you know, I've got this whole way to go. It's just, I need to get this far. And then by that point, I'm, I'm already going to be a quarter or a third or a halfway done. And then it, doesn't seem so hard mentally, but a lot of people I know let it get in their head. And it's really moving up to 50s isn't going to be twice as hard, say, as it is getting through an LD ride. I guess the most important part is that your horse is used to, with the LDs, is used to eating and drinking while on the trail, right? That he will drink and that he will eat so he can keep his energy up for the 50. If he's not doing that well, then... Then that's a consideration. Right, definitely. And, you know, those are all things you can practice, uh, you know, on your own at home. Um, You know, every time you do a ride, you know, mimic an endurance ride and, you know, get your trailer set up like it would be at an endurance ride. So your horse becomes comfortable with that. And not everything is brand new for your horse. You know, you want to try to get them comfortable and familiar with stuff. And and that always works. And, um you know, I many of my horses just started out doing 50s. Um, you know, now I don't really know what I'll do with the new guy that, that I'm planning on getting going this year. Um, but we'll see. All right. So another question, and this ties exactly into... Um, well, let me let me ask one more before we get to that, because I have a question that's going to tie into our guest today. Um, okay. And, but before that, let's get to Aaron's, who says, uh, tips on pacing for an LD when your ambition is to be the turtle-type rider. <laughs> so a turtle-type rider for new-to-endurance people means the exactly what it sounds like. Uh-huh. It's the one who doesn't Bringing care about winning. <laughs> we care about finishing. So Exactly. So... Again, you know, that's all part of learning how to pace your horse. And that's where um, new riders these days have an advantage because there's so much technology now that wasn't really available when I started riding. Um, Now you've got your smartphones, GPSs, and and all these wonderful apps that can tell you and, and even talk to you and tell you how many minutes it took for you to ride your last mile. And it so always you can freaks me out when Jennifer and I are out and I got the pony out and she's out and she has her phone up. She has that app on it and it starts talking at the mile markers. It's like uh-huh. scares the crap out of me every time. It's like, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so then what you can do is you can, you know, look at the ride results of the ride you're planning on doing and you can see how long it took you know, the first riders versus the last riders to finish. Usually if you get the right information or talk to the ride manager, you can find out how much hold time there is and then calculate how um, 
what your average speed needs to be. Like, does it need to be 4.4 or 5.0, somewhere in that range in order to complete in time? And you want to give yourself a, you know, a few minutes at the end for a little bit of cushion, just in case, you know, something happens or your horse takes an extra couple minutes to, to reach pulse criteria. So then you start practicing your training going at that type of a speed or an average miles per hour. And of course, here's where you've got to factor in the weather, the footing, uh, the terrain conditions. You know, if you're on a narrow single track with a lot of climbing or a flat, good footing ride. Um, and that's where looking at previous ride results, which you can go to aerc.org and look up ride results for previous years rides and and it's also helpful to if you can get in contact with somebody maybe through the AERC mentors list in your region and ask them questions about the ride you're planning on so you can learn about it and then adjust your training and conditioning to where your horse is familiar with those kinds of trail conditions and that you know you're comfortable that okay I know I can go ride um in these conditions, and my horse can average five miles an hour for two or three hours, then it, if you do that and work up to that, then you probably should be ready to, you know, go on your first LD ride and keep up a consistent pace. And that's where the apps, again, are really helpful because, you know, if you start out and you're every mile you're doing, it's taking you, say, eight to ten minutes, and then all of a sudden – took you 18 minutes to do the last mile, that's when you start redoing the calculations in your head and go, okay, well, I know either, you know, maybe I know this part's exceptionally rocky and I expected to go slow through here, kind of like what we do on Tevis when you get in the canyons, you're going to slow down quite a bit. And then you know maybe ahead that you're going to be able to pick up some time. But if you're just slowing down, then, you know, then you're going to realize, well, maybe I, that's just enough inspiration to get you moving again. Got it. Okay. So yeah. I'm going to the, – the last question from Lindsay, maybe we'll, take, we'll, we'll tackle this one during our guest today. It was, how did she pick her new horses, traits, breeding, size, et cetera? So um, – you know, that's one I think we're going to be kind of answering today. Yeah, uh, that'll be perfect for yeah, Aubrey. So we'll do that. Okay, so let's get to your um, endurance tip. By the way, Karen has lost 27 pounds um, when, uh, since you started your diet. How long ago was that? August right. 1st. But and it's you... actually 28 as of this morning. Ah, yay. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about that in the post show. So you have to be an auditor to get how she lost that weight. So there you yeah. go. We're going to tease that. Uh, <laughs> if, in the meantime, you have an endurance tip for us. Okay. Before I start with my tip, let's talk a little bit about hoof boots. And I wanted to mention the boots that I've been using for many years on my horses. And they are the Renegade hoof boots. They are proudly made in the United States, come in several different colors, a couple of different models, so they can better fit your horse's hoof. And that's the most important thing when selecting a hoof boot. You want one that is going to have the correct size and the correct fit and adjustments. And that's where the Renegade Hoof Boot Company does such a great job. You can take photos and drawings of your horse's hoof and send them to Renegade and ask for help with selecting the the model that's going to work the best for you and the correct size, and they will help you work through all that. You can also look at their um, 
YouTube channel for just type in Renegade Hoof Boots and there are several videos on fitting and adjusting and stuff like that so that you will make sure your horse is comfortable and stay sound going down the even the rockiest of trails. And now one thing I did want to mention that we forget to mention sometimes is they're sold individually, not as pairs, correct? Correct. Okay. So uh, keep that in mind when you're taking a look at them. All and the right. nice thing, just one more yeah. thing is with the colors, what I have found what works really nice um, is if you have different sized hooves or different horses, they can you can do different colors so that you can always tell them apart. You don't have to that's actually pick them up and look at them. Especially the ones that are close, really right? It would be, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yep. And they even have lime green, so uh, you can get that too, whatever you yeah, want. Go to, yes, go to renegadehoofboot.com. I, I've been asked, how do you keep motivated during the winter when it's dark, cold, wet, muddy, frozen, you know, there's snow piling Ooh, and, up? And in the Northeast this weekend, it's supposed to be minus like 40 wind chills. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. See, then I would just say, you know, enjoy your break horse and wave out the window. Go in and do your rowing and your uh, yes. your treadmill and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, that, is a good, that is a good point, though. That is a good time to work on you. It, well, sure it is. Inside. And, you know, right. <laughs> but, you know, within reason, you don't want to just leave your horse all winter long and not right. do anything. But I meant in those extreme conditions. Yes, Let's, in the extreme conditions. Yeah, it's probably better to work on you than sit there and eat, uh, well, you know, ringdings. Uh, you know, yeah. most of those people will be getting some exercise breaking up the ice on that's the water. That's true, and shoveling. <laughs> so that's and shoveling, true, too. <laughs> so. Yeah, they say shoveling. I laugh because a, I live in Florida, so there's I that. I know you can. <laughs> but shoveling's a real intense exercise. So, yeah, uh, one I'm glad I don't have to do anymore. <laughs> I don't blame you one bit there. <laughs> All right, so go ahead. So, so we just had some pretty good weather up here. We're we're like sitting at 184 percent of normal snowpack in the Sierras right now. So we got. I mean, all the highways were closed. Power outages everywhere, you know, a lot of stuff going on. So I understand for a lot of people, it, it's tough when you have all these goals. You've got rides coming up you want to plan for, or you're working on a new horse like I am. So I thought I'd put together just some things to talk about that you can do to prepare your horse a little bit better for the sport of endurance while we're why you might be experiencing some weather conditions that are, you know, maybe not as severe as Glenn mentioned, but still, you know, bad enough so that you're not able to maybe get your trailer out and trailer or to go ride somewhere where the footing is safe right now. So, um, so the first one I've got is to practice. And of course you can't do this if your trailer's buried in snow, but to practice your overnight containment system with your horse. Um, and, you know, if you can do that, great, whether it's like a trailer tie or portable corrals, just start out, you know, put your horse in it while you're doing your chores and or feeding and stuff and getting the horse again, like I said, getting them more familiar with what they're going to experience on an actual endurance ride. They they will become a lot more comfortable. It. it you know, not everything will be new for them when they do end up finally getting to go to an event. So, um, that said, practice putting your blankets on and off because somehow it's different if you're going out and doing it in the dark or it's high winds and it takes two people because it's like flying a kite to try to get a blanket on your horse. 
And because those are things that if you go to endurance rides long enough, you will experience them, you know, getting a, you know, by the time you finish and go vet, get your horse cleaned up in the winter, it's going to probably be getting dark or already dark. It might be windy. So you want your horse getting used to all those things. So just practice that. Like I've got my horses where now I can go out in the dark in the middle of a storm and throw a blanket on them while they're loose. So then I don't have to go, you know, grab a halter and a lead rope and bring them in and, you know, go through that. So um, practice those kinds of things. Taking your horse for walks, especially if you live near or in a neighborhood where there's um, good dry, you know, roads or pavement to go out on. Take them out for a walk, warm them up good, cool them down good. It's good for you, good for your horse. I've been practicing doing trot out and backs with my horse. So he's learning how to trot out, stop, turn around, trot back, you know, stuff like that, uh, which is always good. And now, of course, if you are stuck inside, spend some time fine-tuning all your tack adjustments. Like if you have biothane tack, get it adjusted to fit really nice on your horse. You could trim off the excess material so you don't have a bunch of extra straps around your horse's head and face and breast collar flapping. Uh, you know, clean everything up, inspect everything, check for any um, signs of wear and tear, cracks in any of the metal, make sure all your straps are attached securely, uh, check your stirrups for signs of fatigue and wear, just go over everything because you know, the winter is the perfect time to be ordering replacements and new items. Um, let's see here. Work on your groundwork, manners, stuff like that. Um, you know, you might have a spot where you can lunge your horse um, safely if the, the footing is good. I mostly haven't because uh, we got a lot of rain and then it snowed and froze down to like single digits and in the teens. So oh, you just got a walking. nice layer of ice underneath that snow. Yes, yeah. it was an ice skating ring. Oh, good. So, yeah. uh, That's I let always the fun horse, too. Yes, yeah. I let the horses learn how to ice skate on their own. I did <laughs> try getting in the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you have that. Um, once things start to dry out or if you're in a, a wetter, warmer climate, uh, keep an eye out for scratches. Because that is something that can sideline. Has I have seen sideline many, many endurance horses. You know, a lot of times they'll start to develop scratches at home on their own, and then they it spreads, and then it becomes really bad. It, it'll crawl all the way up your horse's leg, and it, it can be really painful for them, and it can take you out for you know part of a season. Uh, so you want to keep an eye on that. Keep you know. Check underneath if, if your horse is standing in ankle deep or deeper mud, you want to keep an eye on that and, and start with the pre-treatments or preventatives or actual treatments if you need to, uh, to keep up with that so that once everything does start to get nice again, you can hop on and go ride and not have to worry about Anything and like I, that. I want to mention that if you search scratches on horseradionetwork.com, just search scratches, you'll find uh, we've done many episodes on what you can do for that. So, Yes, yes, exactly. And, the, and also, if your horse is wearing a blanket for very long, I like to rotate my blankets to a different, like a different style or type every week so that it eliminates or reduces the, the chance of rubs in certain spots. And By the also, way, that advice is not horse husband approved because it costs a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, if you have two horses, just switch them back and forth. How's okay. that? <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll buy that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That'll work. So, yeah, and you want to also keep an eye on underneath your horse. You know, you want to keep checking your horse's uh, body condition underneath the blankets. You know, if they're wearing a blanket for two or three weeks at a time, you know, you want to you know, keep a close eye, even if you just feel underneath and make sure that your horse is maintaining good weight. And and you want to keep everything clean. You know, my horses are really, they've all been excellent at lying down and rolling and somehow managing to still get mud all the way up the inside of their back legs with a blanket on. Right, so, right. <laughs> so yeah, you want to make sure they stay clean. So again, you don't end up getting ready to go ride and now they've got a bunch of this scurfing and flaking and dandruff around their girth and armpits and stuff. So you want to, you know, keep an eye on all those little things, just looking forward to the day where, you know, uh, the snow's going to go away. It's not going to be 20 degrees when you get up and, and you'll be able to go out and ride and having a, you know, have a good time. All right. One, one more. We have time for one more. One more. Okay. One of the other things I've learned, um, I learned this when I was riding uh, the Mustang a couple years ago. He had been desensitized to like everything, you know, in an arena. They had gotten him used to tarps, umbrellas, just you name it. Well, we were out just riding out to the trail and here comes this little kid on the corner and he had an umbrella, and the kid was probably three or four years old, and the umbrella was waist high, and he came running towards us with the mm. umbrella. Well, so then that's when I realized, you know, when the horse knows what it is, and, you know, it's different. So what I've incorporated... Oh, I think my pony would have been gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we backed up the fastest I've ever backed up. I don't think I've ever gone that fast on a horse. Well, first of all, having a three-year-old run around with an umbrella is not something you think about using as a desensitization thing a lot. So it's not. It's not. <laughs> so, but I've also learned when I when I've gone out in the dark in the winter and the wind is blowing and it's raining and I've got the umbrella and the horses see me and all they see is the umbrella because I've got it down at an angle oh, to block yeah. the <laughs> snow or the rain and they're like gone, like you said. And so now I'm practicing all the time going out, you know, in the dark, in the daylight, um, you know, with an umbrella, with a headlamp, with my dogs loose with me. So these are all things, believe it or not, if you go, like I said, if you go to enough endurance rides, your horse will experience all of this stuff eventually because everything happens at an endurance ride. Stuff Do you, you have a herd of deer that you up. keep around just to help them with that little problem? I, You know, I wish I did, yes, but I do have, actually, I've got ostriches in the neighborhood. I've got lots of goats, herds of goats. Um, there's all, you, you know, you just do what you can do. Try to, but see, that's the whole thing with an endurance horse brain. Once they see enough stuff, something, one new thing is, it's like, oh, that's just something else that's new. Mm -hmm, right. It's not as big of a deal, yeah. you, you know, so, yeah. And, all right, uh, very good. Well, all of those were great. So uh, thank you for, for bringing those up. And now we're going to continue talking about cold weather uh, because we have Kristen coming on from Distance Depot, and she's going to talk about cold weather riding gear. Good morning, Kristen. Thank you for joining us. And I'm excited to hear about some of the new winter gear that you have at the Distance Depot. Um, tell me about these new tights you have. We we do have some new tights. And good morning. Um I have, uh, we, we're stocking a, a new type by Carrots, 
which is a um, stable temp merino wool tight. Is that the tight you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, so it's made out of merino wool. And you would think being, mer- I think merino wool, of course, are sheer comfort sh- sheepskin saddle covers. Um, but these are a mid-weight tight. Actually, to me, they feel like a lightweight tight, but they're so moisture wicking. So even if you were to get wet, they dry super fast and they add incredible warmth. It, it seems wild to me that a tight this light can provide that kind of warmth. Um, but they are super warm and they have the nice carrot sticks, um, the little silicone carrot sticks in the knee area. So you don't have a stiff um, suede knee patch. Oh, um, nice. has the soft, Yeah, it has the soft carrot sticks, which they do in quite a few of their tights. Um, but that's a super warm tight. The price point, of course, does dictate that it's merino wool, um, but a really nice tight to have if you're in the cold weather uh, for sure. Um, another one of the tights that we have is the Power Stretch Knee Patch. It also has the little carrot stick silicone, and it has, these are like jammies. They're so soft. They have the fleece lining, um, unbelievably soft inside, and, you know, matte finish on the outside, soft and flexible, wide waistband with um, belt loops for, for a belt, um, if you like to wear a belt. But the wide waistband, of course, is a cross carrot line. It keeps them from rolling over, Mm -hmm. um, which makes them a lot more comfortable. We really like their line. And the last winter type that we have is the Sit Tight Wimpro. Now, that type um, has the shell, outer shell will shed water, um, rain, snow, dirt, um, horse hair. So it's nice. And it also has a soft um, polar fleece type lining on the inside, too. Little more wind protection um, on this tight. It's probably the most, um, you know, wind protectant tight that we have. It also comes in a boot cut. So for those that, that like that boot cut style, we have that. And all of these tights have a pocket for your phone, which, of course, is super handy if we want our phones with us. But a, a nice bunch of tights there to keep you warm. And I'm looking mm-hmm. at you've got several different sunglasses that are sports style, which I love those. They're great for blocking the wind when you're riding on a stormy day. Tell us about all those. That's funny. The sunglasses are so popular. Um, This has been their protective eyewear, and they're 99% UVA and B protectant. um, But like you say, yes, blocking out the, the starlight style comes all the way around. They fit nicely under your helmet. So they're super comfortable when riding. And we have them in fun colors like blue mirror and gray, um, silver mirror, clear. I like the clear ones. Those are pretty popular, too, because sometimes in, in, in the winter and the summer, the glare off of the snow and when you're riding in and out of the woods, sometimes sunglasses get so dark. You get into the woods and you're like, whoa, where are we? But the sunglasses, um, the clear ones are great for that, going in and out of the dark areas and the reflection on the on the snow and like and you say definitely keeps that um cold wind and keeps your eyes from <laughs> running yeah, the whole time <laughs> exactly yeah. and and they're very yeah. affordable they are yeah they start at six dollars and they go up we do have sunglasses for those of us who can't read our heart rate monitors anymore <laughs> so we have the mags um so down in the bottom have the bifocal um with some different diopters one 1.5 2.5 and twos 
So that's perfect. Yeah, great for when you have to pull out your ride map and figure out where you're at. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. See all that small writing. Yeah. Well, Kristen, how would somebody get in touch with you? Yeah, to view all of our winter things, we have helmet covers, winter riding boots, wool, socks, you name it. Um, just go to www.thedistancedepot.com or give us a call toll-free, 866-863-2349. Well, our next guest this morning is Aubrey Becker, who works with the Kentucky Horse Exchange. She does an excellent job matching horses with their new riders and owners. And she's going to talk to us this morning about the market for endurance horses. Um, thank you for joining us, Aubrey. Thank you for having me. Okay, so give us a rundown. What is it that you actually do with the Kentucky Horse Exchange? Um, well, best I can explain it is I'm a horse broker. Um, horses come in from all over the country to my farm in Kentucky uh, to be sold. And so I evaluate them, um, take pictures, videos, take them out on trails, sometimes on camping trips, sometimes to endurance rides, and um, advertise them uh, mostly on Facebook and social media. Um, and then buyers come in from all over uh, and test ride them and have pre-purchase exams, and we try to match up the right horse with the right rider. So that's that's uh, around about what I do. Okay, how long have you been doing this? I sold my first horse when I was uh, 16, and I'm now 42, um, but professionally, probably 20 years in that in that range and and how many endurance horses have you matched that's a good question Um, (laughs) a lot huh (laughs) probably uh, i'd say around about a hundred or so okay okay so let's talk about for those that are looking for an endurance horse right now what's the market like out there well, are prices right as now, high as farms and RVs, or are they that <laughs> high? <laughs> it's like craziness. They're 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 getting up there. Like like everything right now, prices are up. Um, the horse market, probably for the past three years, has been on a climb, but in the past year has really um, risen and horses. Nowadays, that um, some of the endurance horses that are in the $10,000 range could have been purchased for half of that um, a year and a half to two Just like a ago. farm. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's exactly, or a vehicle. Every, every, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Everything's going up, and, and a lot of um, buyers are not aware, you know, that that just thought they'd start their horse shopping and and then they see what the prices are currently and just you, are blown away. So I have, I've talked to a couple of car salesmen and a couple of RV people and stuff, and even realtors, the realtors around here, and we, I live in Ocala, Florida, so World Equestrian Center means the prices have skyrocketed anything that looks like a farm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're saying that's kind of settling out a little. Do you think that's going to happen this year? Do you think it it's is. just going to settle out? Yeah. 
it, it, I've, I'm seeing um, things start to sort of plateau. They're not, they're, everything's still priced high, but it doesn't seem to be on the rise like it was, um, you know, six months even or a year ago, how everything was just such a rapid increase. It seems not to be dropping, but to just maintaining. And I see, uh, I'm on your website, actually, looking at the horses you have for sale now, and there's a real sin on here, something that shouldn't happen ever. You have (laughs) an Arabian gelding, eight years old, whose name is Cowboy. How does that happen? Uh, (laughs) I mean... Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) And and that's, man, that's an amazing horse, too. He is pretty. Uh, I got to give you that. But we need to change that name to something sounding more Arabian than Cowboy. (laughs) I know. I actually know a really good endurance Arabian named Cowboy. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the other ones, uh, you know, Delia, Ada, you know, the other ones kind of have, especially this one, She Ada Be So Vogue. So, you know, that's an Arabian name, not Cowboy. Um, by the way, Ada's cute too. Yeah, and he he's he's the best endurance horse on there. <laughs> Ada is so Most pretty. That two year old uh mare is cute. Uh, yeah, she yeah. she is a good one. So oh, go I ahead, Karen. You, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt talking I was just about horses. Comment, is I is I see when Aubrey posts the horses, it's like a lot of times by the time I see them, they're they've already been sold. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, for example, the horses on the website, I, I've almost just given up. <laughs> given up on trying to keep up the horses on my website um, because I'd say the turnaround um, for the the good riding horses that have some experience and are reasonably priced. It, usually, by the time um, when I post them, it's usually two days. Uh, and they're sold, and so Jeez, it's crazy. a pretty quick, pretty quick turnaround. Are there a lot of people looking right now? There are um, mm-hmm. more people looking than horses available, and um, and because of the the market and the prices being higher than what they've been in the past, it's a lot of these buyers. Um, you know, that don't, that are on a budget, they are having a hard time. They either need to be really quick to make decisions and make moves and purchase a horse, or um, they're going to be looking for quite a while. Can I, Mm -hmm. can I ask you, if you have somebody that's been doing like LDs, let's say, and their horse, you know, Mm -hmm. isn't up for 50, so they really want to get into doing that, and they're coming to you, so they're pretty new, right? They're pretty new to endurance, they haven't done a 50 before, what do you tell them to look for in a horse? Um, Really, with endurance, it sure helps, like anything else, if the horse enjoys it. Um, Obviously, they have to be sound. Um, but they don't have to be in this cookie cutter confirmation. I find that a lot of buyers want to pick horses apart and they're looking for this flawless specimen. Uh, but really if, if the horse doesn't enjoy it, uh, it's job, you're gonna, you're gonna hit a wall at some point. 
So ideally, if you can get hopefully on hopefully not literally. Trail, anyway, we hope not literally. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Although no, there's some of that probably to too. So quit on you. Yeah. <laughs> so that happens. But yeah, you you want to look for a horse that's going to love its job, you know. Now, so if somebody comes to you, obviously they have to do it pretty quickly. They get if the horse is uh, rideable, they they get to ride it there. Do most of them get vet checks that through that you sell? Um, I would say half of the buy. Everyone is welcome to. Um. And, and I encourage it just really for peace of mind. When a horse comes in to be sold, if there are any red flags as far as soundness, then that's addressed before the horse is listed. We either um, have the vet out to, you know, check it out or the horse is just sent home. Um, But it's still encouraged to have pre-purchase exams. Um, I'd say mm-hmm. half of the buyers do that. All right. I have one more question, Karen. So take yourself out of the seller. Well, take what you've learned as a seller and tell me what the biggest mistakes people are when they buy a horse, what the biggest mistakes they make when they buy a horse. Right. The biggest mistake I see frequently is buying a horse that is beyond their ability. And a lot of times it's not a lack of experience for the rider. It's a lack of confidence. Arabians, especially these endurance horses, they can be, have a lot of personality and be full of themselves and they can be a lot of horse. And I find a lot of buyers buying too much horse in their mind. They have these big dreams, which are great, but they really need to think about what the best horse for them would be. Um, and so I see people overbuying um, all the time and passing, passing up horses uh, because they've decided it's got this confirmation, you know, it doesn't move exactly like in their mind they're supposed to move. Um, and they pass on a lot of good horses Um you know, buying these super athletes that maybe aren't the ideal match for them. And I allow, I I request that people, if the horse doesn't work out, that they bring the horse back for me to resell. And I'd say get about six a year that come back because um, they end up intimidating the rider. And it's just not enjoyable if you're going out and, and you're just worried about the horse spooking or taking off or whatever it might be. Um, so finding the horse that matches your, your ability as far as confidence and all of that um, is the most important thing, I think. So if somebody is several states away from you and they're interested in one of your horses, how does that process work? Well, mo- a lot of the buyers are sight unseen. And so I do my best with um, sending them as many pictures and videos and speaking with them on the phone about what their experience and what their confidence level and what some of their deal breakers are. So a, a lot of the buyers sight unseen, we just spend a lot of time on the phone and, and ex- you know, sending videos 
Um, but I do have a lot of people that either drive or fly in and, and they'll stay locally. And I've had buyers come out and stay up to three nights um, and just spend days coming out and trail riding and getting to know the horse. And I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I enjoy the company and I've always got extra horses that need to be ridden. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, it can go either way. People are welcome to um, come out and, and they can also have the, the vet out and, and buy off of videos. And sometimes I have people that might know someone that's closer to me and they'll send them out. Mm-hmm. Um, to ride the horse where, for them. Where are you? You're in Kentucky, but where? Uh, Russellville, Kentucky. It's it's really just about an hour north of Nashville, Tennessee, or um, south of Bowling Green, Kentucky. Oh, so you were down in tornado country. Did I, did you have damage? Or yes. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, this time no. Two two years ago, I lost a house and, oh and a barn oh. to a tornado. So we're right we're right in the in the path. It seems. It used um, to be Oklahoma, and now it's Kentucky. Right. You know? right. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, wow. you must have been pretty close to this last one that went through, too. Holy cow. Yep. Yeah, and it was crazy <laughs> driving through town. It's just touch and go. One house can look completely fine, oh, and then my. the neighbor's house is gone. Oh, I, and I can't imagine. I, did you have a storm shelter built when you did the second one or a safe room or something? When, yes. Yeah. Um, we we have a tornado shelter now, and um, that tornado a couple of years ago, there was probably twenty five horses on the farm, and it it they're all out on pasture with shelters. Mm. Um, it took out all the fencing, um, and once things calmed down, I went walking around the farm, and um, the horses all scattered to different areas down in the woods and down in valleys and not a one of them was hurt. Um, How does that it happen? It took a little while. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's, the, the farm is a little over 200 acres. So it took a little while to, to collect them all, locate them all, but n- none of them were hurt. They're all down, you know, found their safe areas. So. Wow. Oh, good. Wow. So if once somebody decides on a horse, I'm assuming then you have shippers that'll ship it. And, and of course, I'm sure that now costs more money, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I, I offer to help arrange shipping. Some people have a shipper in mind. Some people want to pick up the horse themselves. Um, if they need help, there's a good handful of shippers that I've used over the years that I trust. And I would say right now, the average price for shipping is about $1.75 per loaded mile. Um, and that's gone up. I remember when it used to be 50 year. cents <laughs> in the old yeah, days. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah I, I'd say last year this time, it was about a dollar yeah. per loaded mile. And, wow. and sometimes now you can, you can find you know, if they happen to be going that way and they have a stall, you'll get right. lucky. But all right, we're running right. out of time. So tell everybody you you have ponies there. What's the best way for them to see what's for sale today and not necessarily don't go to the website. We learned that. Um, so <laughs> yeah. you can um, I ha- you can go to the website and fill out a form. You know, kind of your wish list of what you're looking for, and that. Um, it, Facebook, I'm always is the most current, but also if you do email or, or call or fill out that form, I can email you or text you. 
um, if I have anything suitable for you, what's available. Um, but Facebook seems to be, it's so easy just to take a picture of what's coming in and, and what we're out on trail and just post it. And so I, that seems to be where I get the most traffic. And it's have good. you got any good 14-2 hands? <laughs> Karen might you know be shopping. What? I've got a fantastic one coming in today that I sold um, about a year ago that's coming back. And I just love him to death. His name's Max. So you'll have to. Uh, call her later, Karen. Call her later. I did. I actually, I had a friend tag me All last right. night on one of her horses. He was a quarter Arab, quarter horse that's Arab. Max. Was that yep. Max? Uh, yeah. I'll cut this part awesome. out of the show so nobody beats you to it there, Karen. We're going to go. Yes, I'll send you a message, Audrey, for sure, because I am looking. Sounds good. <laughs> Kentucky Horse Exchange is where you're looking. Just search for that on Facebook. It'll come right up top. We'll put links in our show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Audrey. Thanks for having me. So you're shopping for horses, huh? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Starting to... To look. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So, uh, now, you you have your new one that's coming along, that but you haven't had to work with it very much because uh, of illness yeah, and weather. Yeah, you have a sarcoid, and... <laughs> which is now gone, and it's yeah. all healed. Yay! So It's um, all healed, and now there's 10 feet of snow and ice. And yeah. ice, yeah. yes. Mm. So, um, we've been working. He's gone through boot camp. I've made sure he ground drives, he hobbles. Um, you know, he's been, he's spent a lot of time on the trailer tie, you know, I've done all these things that I talk about doing with them, doing, practicing the trot outs, you know, all that kind of stuff. And now we're starting to ride. I'm finding enough area to do little small circles. (laughs) So we're starting, we're starting that. And I think he'll come along really good. The other day I, um, worked him till he was, had a really good workout and, Put the heart monitor on him and his pulse, I mean, like immediately, was 36. So he's got good genetics. He's just, we're working through, he's a little bit stubborn. Um, and, and I think that came from, you know, five months of treating him where he just become became wary of me. He's not stubborn. Really he was me. just pissed. <laughs> like, well, kind of. Yeah, that's yeah. it. When you have a smart yeah. horse, they, you know, so I'm kind of working him through his grudge against me and uh you know i know he's super friendly you just brought him bad news all the time that's i know i I felt so bad for the poor little thing you know but he's done that and now he's turning i call it the jovi jinx because he's been taking down rain gutters and um He, he knows the hot wire fence is off, so he goes with his lips and he undoes the wire off of the fence insulator. You have a saying, damn it, Zeus. Hashtag damn it, Zeus. That's what Zeus does all the time. Damn it, yeah. I know. <laughs> you sure so he's not a Mustang? He, you know, who, you never know. <laughs> he's got that brain. Uh, you know, like the other day, I, I have a strap that goes across the front of the hay storage. And he had uh, limboed his way underneath it, and it's only like at my waist height, and I'm only five one. So I can do that. And this horse and was he, injured. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, he managed to wiggle his way underneath, and he got in the hay. And and I went out there, and I was thinking, oh, please don't turn around and try to run out of there because he, he you know, he would have been stuck and maybe caused a wreck, right? But no, he's like, nope, I'm in here where there's food. I'm not leaving. <laughs> 
So he's, uh, you know, he's learning, uh, he's fitting in rather well, like just like every other horse that's been here that starts getting into stuff. We have to, um, I used to call the barn bow proof because bow would take everything apart. And so luckily bow got the barn sort of prepared (laughs) for Jovi. (laughs) That's the disadvantage of having smart horses. That's that's a big disadvantage. Hey, before we run out of time, you have some Uh announcements and uh, a little bit of news too. Okay. So let's see here. Yes, we have the AARC convention coming up March 4th and 5th at the John Esquagas Nugget in Sparks, which is just adjacent to Reno, Nevada, for those that aren't sure where Sparks is. So uh, that's the annual convention with the awards. They have a big tax sale, a lot of educational seminars and stuff like that going on. And it's a fun way to get together and learn more about the sport and also to shop because there are vendors in the trade show. So check that out. You can go to aerc.org and look up the convention information. And while you're there, be sure to check out the clinics, the educational information, the ride calendar, the mentor list. There's a lot of information on the AERC website. Another clinic that's coming up that I think would be fun for a lot of people is the Old Dominion is hosting an informative webinar, and it's called on how to handle when, um, can I say the word, when, when yeah, goes wrong and bad <laughs> things happen. And, and uh, that is January 18th between 7 and 9 on Zoom. So if you are interested, you can email OD webinar at gmail.com for the zoom link and we'll put that in the show notes too so that you have yeah that. that'll be that'll be fun uh, another thing we have coming up there are fee fee free days for all federal lands in 2022 the first one is january 17th martin luther king day uh, february 21st President's Day, which doesn't include the National Park Service, but it includes the other federal lands. Same for April 16th, the first day of National Park Week. June 11th, National Get Outdoors Day. June 19th is Juneteenth, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. August 4th, anniversary of the Great American Outdoors Act. September 24th, National Public Lands Day, October 9th, the first Sunday of National Wildlife Refuge Week, and November 11th, Veterans Day. So check that out for the areas near you that might be on federal lands. You can use them for no charge or fee that day. Take your horse out or even just go for a hike. And you had some FEI news, too. We've been talking about this off and on over the last eight years, it seems like. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. we had another another violation, so, and uh, what happened here? Well, this one was a penalty. The horse doesn't appear to have actually tested positive for a drug. It says, the athlete was notified of the sample collection of his horse, however disappeared on the way to the testing box. <laughs> Just went away. It just went away. He just disappeared. <laughs> Aliens showed up and beamed him up. <laughs> well, big surprise there. You're notified you have to do a test. and uh, Well, he, now he can um, claim he didn't test positive for a drug. He just disappeared. He got a two-year suspension for disappearing, so that's yes. good. So it was a, still a violation. You can't, you're, apparently you're not allowed to just disappear. Let me guess. One of the countries over in the Middle East. 
Yes. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Uh, anyway, so I see that endurance is keeping up with its rule violations and things. <laughs> nothing changes. Of course, they're not the only sport now. So uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm I glad know, to see huh? they are penalizing people. They've been kind of wishy-washy about that at the FEI. So uh, they have to get they have to get tougher. They just have right. to. But how does a horse disappear? <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, ended up in the horse trailer and the way back to the barn. We're not. We're nobody yeah. saw nothing to see here. Move along. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Karen, for putting this show together. We're going to have a post show today. I know we don't always do that on the Ernst Day, but we're going to do a post show today for um, and we're going to talk about Karen's weight loss. Plus, we're going to review a movie because her husband is a serious like astronomer who has a like a telescope bigger than her horse and uh we're going to talk about the movie i want to see how he felt about uh, don't look up so um we're gonna do that uh coming up in the post show so thank you everybody for joining us thank you karen we'll talk to you again next month everybody wear your helmets and be safe out there All right, we're in a post-show with the auditors, and I just saw your note, so we'll record the Renegade ad, and I'll stick it in. (laughs) We'll do that at the end, (laughs) because, yeah, we did forget. So, yeah, I'll record. I'll stick it in before the guest or something. Um, So, yeah, you lost 20. How did you lose 20? Are you on Noom? That's the only commercial I see anymore on YouTube is Noom. You know, you can't mention anything about dieting or weight loss and Without getting Noom ads Oh, my God. Now we said it. Everybody (laughs) in the audience is going to get Noom ads, too. Sorry, guys. (laughs) God, it's just everywhere. It It is everywhere. (laughs) You know, and now I'm getting all these ads for foods and stuff as well. It's like, uh, I guess it could be worse. All right. um, So let's review. You lost 28 pounds since? Since August 1st. And what did you do? And well, I started out doing keto and I'm still basically doing keto, but I also learned about the P&E diet, which is protein and energy. It's basically keto, except with a little bit more protein and a little bit less fat, which works better for me because I've always had trouble it, it with the additional fat that was required to meet my numbers every day. So you know, now I'm still struggling to meet enough protein. Because uh, so keto was, is a lot of fat, right? Basically. It is. Yeah. And it was more than I really, it just didn't, I mean, it worked for me for the first three or four months, but now I've been kind of transferring over and with the, you know, trying to get a little bit more protein works a lot better for me. I just need to eat, you know, more um, meat sources, which, and I'm also eating a lot more vegetables, a lot more like salads every day or twice a day with whatever meal, you know, a lot of green vegetables and stuff fit really well into the low carb. And the peony diet is also low, low carb, just like keto is. So and, that, and keto also pretty much got rid of sugar, right? I mean, that's the goal. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. Anybody that cuts sugar out of their diet is going to lose weight. Right. Right there, and you don't you don't realize how much it's in everything. It's in everything. Well, yeah, and I've been you know I've been sugar free and gluten free for ten years, mm-hmm. and it's in every both of those are in everything. Yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> and and so once you start you know reading labels and looking at stuff, and 
so basically i've i've eliminated all the junk no more definitely no more fast food what are you gonna do on trail ride days you can't have you junk. know <laughs> well i can have like what are you gonna do at those dinners <laughs> for t- t- well, t- i don't know if you know that's the thing i needed to i wanted to check in on on what are ride managers doing with the co- whole covid thing going on um because they stopped doing a lot of the community dinners and stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. During last year. Because, yeah. yeah so. Um, Heck, even the uh, buffets around here are back to normal. Are they? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, nuts, I can, br- you know, bring nuts and stuff to eat. And I always found when I was riding for hours and, you know, going to rides, I never had to worry about my weight. And, you know, and then COVID came along and everything just. I know I'm not the only one that started putting COVID-19. on like these, Yep. <laughs> they say a lot of people started gaining about one to two pounds a month. So after a year or two, that really adds up. And Well, uh, congratulations. Good job. Thanks. Yeah. You know, my main goal is I just wanted to fit in my saddle. <laughs> Your clothes. That That's the other thing. That was it. But, um, you know, and there are a lot of good resources out there. Um, I joined the Carb Manager app. And you can enter and actually scan in your actual foods that you're eating and keep track and learn where you're deficient, possibly, on some things. What's it called? And once Carb Manager. C-A-R-B Manager? Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, it's free. You can also join the, um, you know, the paid version. And they've got tons of recipes on there, which are, have been really helpful for me. Um, I know a lot of people think, Keto just is eating bacon and butter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty but much. That's I don't. I haven't had bacon for months, um, and I rarely use butter. I've switched over to more or less olive oil or coconut oil. And don't they I do eat, a lot of seafood too? Isn't that? Yes, yeah. I was just going to say I eat a lot of seafood. Yeah, I don't like seafood, shrimp, so that's out. Salmon, um, you know. <clears throat> uh, Chicken, pork, beef. Um, cheese. You get to eat all the cheese you want. You can. But again, because I switched a little bit over to getting a little more protein and a little less fat, yeah. I'm not eating as much of that as I was. Because before I was like, Yahoo, I can put cheese on everything. Isn't avocados another thing because it's so high in fat? Uh. Yeah, but it's a good fat. <laughs> and, and so... Uh, you know, I just try to eat maybe half a one every couple days, and that's that's been working. You know what I don't like about the keto diet? I am a potato. I love <gasps> every kind of potato there is. I know. It's hard, isn't it? I miss the potato. But I've had a couple days where I'll make homemade french fries, and I can eat about eight of them. <laughs> <laughs> Who eats eight french fries? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Well, Nobody eats eight I'm, French fries. Because I'm looking at that saddle going, I want to fit in that thing by spring for sure. Actually, I'm fitting in it now. So, yeah, the horse full appre- has appreciated me uh, well, losing Congratulations on that. Thanks. All right, yeah. now let's talk about this movie. Because So, okay. for those that don't know, Karen's husband has an observatory in the house. I mean, a really big-ass well, telescope, it's right? It's not actually in the house. It's in the observatory. Oh, yeah, the okay. Observatory. On the okay. property. Property. Um, on the property. And it's a big tell. I mean, one that you would see at a, at a, you know, if you go into it's town big. at the Science uh-huh. Center, you know, it's. Yeah, yeah. He has the dome and the whole thing, right? Well, it's, 
Yeah, and the lid slides off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. So, yeah, so yeah. that makes him a serious. And he it's probably spends so more on his hobby than you do yours, becomes, actually. Um, right, yeah, probably this year, yeah. <laughs> probably so. So, yeah. now, did you guys watch the movie Don't Look Up, which is on Netflix, right? I think it's Netflix, I'm pretty sure. We yeah. did, we watched it the day All right, that's out. Leonardo it's DiCaprio, so- and it has Jennifer Lawrence in it. It's kind of a spoof on... The world's going to come to an end from a great big asteroid, and nobody's taking him seriously. And uh, it's uh, who else is in that movie? Who plays the president? Meryl Streep plays the president. Yeah, Meryl Streep. Um, who I just wanted to slap through the entire thing. But uh, she was wait, good. So, just, so did you watch the whole thing? I watched about thirty, maybe forty <laughs> minutes of it, and I had to bail. I, I know I'm going to get hay mail. Send it to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. <laughs> She'll throw it away. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is not my favorite. And actually, I love Jennifer Lawrence and Kate Blanchett's in it. But it just seemed like everybody was kind of doing this movie and they weren't really into it. Okay. What did you so think? You missed, the, you missed the ending with what happened to I the do, well, We're not going to give any spoilers tomorrow. away. So Okay. Um, but what did you think about the acting? Am I the only one that thought that? Well, you know, it was a Netflix movie, so I didn't have... Yeah, but look at these names. <laughs> I know it was an it was I called it an A-list apocalypse. It pretty much was. <laughs> yeah. It was just I think everybody wanted to be in the movie to say they were in the movie and yeah, they were making fun of uh, you know the <clears throat> basically it was sort of a parallel storyline kind of making fun of where we're at today as a society with everything that's going on. Yeah, they on. just used an asteroid instead of uh the asteroid and that Okay, so what I want to ask you is was your husband looking at this whole thing going, That never happened, that never happened, that never happened, that never happened. <laughs> well not you know, not really. I mean, I don't think anything like that's really gonna happen in our lifetimes. And I and But I, I mean the technology involved in seeing it and all of that, was he picking that apart? You know, not really. They didn't oh. do I didn't hear him grumbling too awful much. Oh. Like in some movies or you know really bad and then others are are better than others but um you know well they didn't get into a lot of detail about it no it was mostly about you know it's mostly about the uh the whole scenario around what would happen exactly and i i know he went into it knowing it was a work of fiction and not you know that that it was kind of a spoof type movie and not to take it it was definitely that (laughs) yeah uh, you know, the the good news is, well, good or bad, however you look at it, is other countries around the world have been working on their, I guess you could call it a quote-unquote space force, where they are building um, weapons and other things that are being launched into orbit. <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't hang. I know we, people love that movie, but I couldn't hang. Okay, so yeah, so we know that hopefully by the time something like that does come towards humanity, we will actually deal with it and we won't be putting our heads in the sand and uh um you know so i know hollywood's going to have a little bit more extreme view on things than maybe the mainstream you know population in the united states so uh yeah there you're a i don't know do you think people have been in denial and kind of um over the whole pandemic glenn what do you think about that (laughs) yeah i think Maybe why I had to quit was everything looked like it could happen the way they did it. And it was a total parody. I mean, it was almost uh-huh. Benny Hill version of a, you know, it was it, yeah, it was, yeah. it was really. Almost and maybe that's really why I had to quit. It was like, oh, God, I, did, I felt like we just lived through it the last two years. And we need well, to do gotta, it. 
It was almost too soon. (laughs) So for those that don't know, when it gets to the credits, keep watching. Okay. All right. There you go. (laughs) Keep watching for like 10 more minutes. It seemed like forever. And you need to go back and watch that part, Glenn. The end? Got to watch the end. I can just fast forward to the end? Yeah, I've probably seen Watch- enough that I could guess what happens in the middle. No. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could probably can guess the middle part, but the end might surprise you a little bit. Okay. I mean, you might laugh at it anyways. Uh, but yeah, watch at least the last 10 or 15 minutes. And I also think the characters just didn't quite, I don't know. I just, there was something, <laughs> just, there was something, I don't know. But I, I was way anxious to hear your opinion on it and see what that was. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. What's today? Today is Tuesday. Jamie Tuesday. and I will be back tomorrow. Uh, I'll be here tomorrow because I don't have my surgery till Thursday. So I'll be here tomorrow. Well, good luck. Thank you. And then Jamie's going to be in at Flag is Up Farm in California on Friday, sitting down personally with uh, – she's going to do an interview with Monty and Pat – uh, together, it's the first time I think husband and wife have done an interview together. She's kind of going to talk about relationship and marriage and all that stuff. So different stuff for Monty. So that'll be coming up on Friday's show, which might be out a little late. We might not see that till she gets it to us. Uh, it might not come out till late Friday. So keep that in mind.